Bibles, take them and turn to a couple passages this morning. I want you to start in Psalm chapter 92. So we started our series a couple weeks ago, Psalm 92. I want to look at a few verses again. And then we're going to be in Mark chapter 10 is our primary text this morning. Uh, if you got a bulletin on the way in, inside of it, there is a study guide. If you'd like to take notes and follow along with us in the service today, uh, you're more than welcome to. encourage you to do that. If not, just pay attention and listen up. Um, you know, Brother Michael said, you know, where two or three are gathered, uh, you know, basically we still have church. And I'm, I'm glad there's more than at least two or three. Because uh, it's hard to preach uh, with a full building, but it's very hard to preach with just two or three people. I had to do that about a year and a half ago. So uh, it's very, very tough. Uh, as I said, at the end of 2017, where we had that ice storm, there's like literally six of us. That's very difficult to preach to six people and try to be passionate about that. Uh, but I'm, pre- I'm so glad you're here today. And I know there's a lot of people that are struggling with sickness, and we're praying for a lot of people in our church, uh, praying for you as well. Uh, Psalm chapter 92. Let's go ahead and stand, if you would, once you find that. We're going to be in verses 12 through 14. just want to read these verses, because this is kind of the premise of our series for the next several weeks and months, and also it's the, the premise of our theme that the Lord has laid, laid upon my heart. Really, this, this theme kind of originated about three or four years ago before I came here. Uh, Lord kind of placed upon me a, a vision and burden for this church, and, and I had a direction of where I wanted to go, and then specifically kind of changed some things and tweaked some things along the path, and then I think back in August, specifically this word thrive, uh, flourish, as the Bible talks about here in this passage, uh, came to mind. So just excited about what God is going to do in our church uh, this year. Let's go ahead and follow along verse number 12 of Psalm chapter 92. The Bible says, The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. And I know, I know we've kind of joked about that. Some of you guys have taken it the wrong way. Fat is not, it's just to keep eating and, and really try to you know, expand our stomachs. It's not what it's talking about. Fat and flourishing, talking about having abundance in our life and flourishing, prospering. Uh, thriving in our Christian life. The Lord has so much for us uh, that He has in mind for us. So let's go ahead and read those verses together one more time. Psalm chapter 92, verses 12 through 14. Read them with me. Ready, begin. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. Very good. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for this day. And God, I pray that you be with this message this morning as we look at this passage, particularly in Mark chapter 10. And God, I pray that you'd help us today uh, get what we need to get from your word. God, I am so thankful for the ones that are here today. And Lord, I know many people today are, are struggling with sickness and different ailments and, and uh, hindrances and obstacles in their life. God, I pray that this message for all those that are listening online or all those that are here present would be a help and encouragement and a challenge to us today, Lord. God, we love you. We're so excited about what you're doing here at Eagle Drive, and we're so excited about what the future holds for us. Christ name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. You can turn to Mark chapter 10 is where we're going to be, but anyone ever feel like you're just kind of going through the motions in life? Is that ever, you ever feel like that? All right, who's, who's going to be a liar and say, I never feel like I go through the motions? Do we have any liars today? Uh, I think all of us at times feel like we're just going through the motions. Uh, let me ask this question. Do you ever feel like you're just kind of in survival mode? Yeah, 
Many of us may even be right there right now. Maybe you're not, maybe you are. I, I think specifically with all the people that are sick, uh, sometimes it's just like, I'm just in survival mode. I'm just trying to get through this sickness. Once I get through this sickness, everything is going to be better. The thing I've realized about survival mode is that survival mode is only meant to be temporary, is it not? It's not meant to be lasting. But a lot of times in our culture, I feel like our culture is just trying to survive life. Are they not? They're trying to go from the next thing to the next thing and, and trying to find what, what, what brings them happiness. And all in all, what we see is that nothing is going to truly just make us happy and joyful. So we're chasing a lot of different things. Well, what we need to be doing is chasing Jesus Christ, who is really going to give us the abundance, the joy that we need in our life. So the message today is kind of looking at that, that picture of surviving versus thriving. And we have a picture of this guy just kind of looking out. You know, I was thinking about that this week and trying to figure out a, a graphic and help with uh, Brother Michael with that, uh, a graphic with that. And, you know, we, we looked at maybe some comparison pictures, maybe a desert versus, you know, a, a lush, you know, forest. But then started thinking about that. And my, my wife made a good point. You know, uh, you look at a desert and you think, oh, that's just, that's just that's struggling and surviving. But it's not because it's thriving for the condition that it's supposed to be in. Even plants in the desert thrive because they're meant to grow there. But a lot of times you look at an individual's life and on the outside it looks like, man, they're truly thriving. They're, they have joy in their life. They're doing what, what, what God wants them to do. But on the inside, they're just surviving or vice versa. Yeah. Understand what I'm saying? You know, for most people today, it seems like a crash in their life is inevitable. A crash may be a personality crash in a marriage or at work or might be a financial crash or an employment crash. Whatever it is, it seems like Something has come unglued and untracked. People feel as if they're partly on track and partly off track. I don't know about you, but I would never want to be on a train that was partly off track. Anybody would like to do that today? Probably not. I'd want the train to be fully on track, because if it's fully on track, I know that there's a good chance that we're going to get to the end destination. But if it's partly off track, there's a good chance we're going to fully derail. And I feel like sometimes in our Christian life, we're partly on, partly off. Partly doing what God wants us to do, partly not doing what God wants us to do, and doing what we want to do. And I've looked at my life and I've realized many times, instead of truly thriving and flourishing, as the Bible says in Psalm chapter 92, in my Christian life, I'm just trying to survive. And again, I know it's, it's supposed to be temporary, but I, I feel myself going through the motions of life so often and just literally trying to hang on. But God didn't mean for our life to just literally be trying to hang on. He meant for our life to abound, to have joy. Again, sometimes we're thinking, man, if I could just make it to the weekend, things will be better. If I could just make it to my first paycheck or the next paycheck, if I could just pay off this car, if, if I can just get kids through school or if I can just get kids to school, <laughs> things will be all right. If I can just get my husband to actually help around the house, that'll be good. If I can get my wife to understand that sometimes I'm actually right, that'll be good. If I can just make it to vacation or if I can just get through this sickness like half of our church is going through right now. There's always a if I can just, right? And I understand there are times when life just keeps coming at you and you feel like you're trying to hang on and survive. But God did not design us to just survive life. I know surviving and thriving rhyme, but they're not the same. Get this down. Survive means this. To continue to live or exist especially despite danger or hardship. Survive means to continue to live or exist, especially despite danger or hardship. Survival mode happens, but survival mode is only ever meant to be temporary. Let me ask this difficult question this morning. kind of sets the stage for what's to come in Mark chapter 10. 
But if we're always just trying to survive, then how can we truly live? You know, I, I think of survival in the sense of, let's say you're, you're in the middle of the ocean and, and you're, you're shipwrecked and you're, you're literally hanging on to a, a piece of driftwood and trying to just survive and, and get rescued. I feel like so many people, even Christians, are kind of going through the motions and literally just trying to hang on and survive. And I understand there's times where it's just hang on, but God did not mean for our lives to be like that all the time. He meant for us to prosper, to, to flourish. Surviving is for those who have no hope or are chasing hope. But if you're a Christian today, don't you have hope? Where's your hope? Is it in your circumstances as we've talked about before, or is your hope in Jesus Christ? Because as we've said and discussed, circumstances will change. Maybe everything is going great in your life right now. Maybe everything is just kind of flourishing, but in a moment, things can change. You can go to the doctor tomorrow and everything changes. Hey, you have cancer. Wait, what? I didn't know I had cancer. All of a sudden, things change. So if we're placing our hope in our circumstances, we're not going to be hopeful very often, very long. To thrive means this, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago. It means to prosper, to flourish. It means to be fully alive. That's what Jesus was speaking of in John chapter 10, 10, where he says, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Jesus came not just to give us life, but to give us abundant life. This phrase, might have it more abundantly in John 10.10, literally means this, that they might have abundance, or that which abounds. The word denotes that which is not absolutely essential to life, but which is super added to make life happy. They shall not merely have life, simple, bare existence, but they shall have all those super added things which are needful, to make life eminently blessed and happy and joyful. It would be vast mercy to keep men merely from annihilation or hell, but Jesus will give us eternal joy, peace, the society of the blessed, and all those exalted means of, um, for which he prepared us for glory, as one commentator described. So he didn't mean for us to just hang on. He meant for us to abound. And if you're a Christian, God designed you to flourish. But the only way you can truly flourish is when you realize, as we said a few weeks ago, that life was not meant to be lived for yourself. Life was meant to be lived for his honor and his glory. Amen. And I know it's a struggle in our society, and don't get me wrong, I struggle with this just as much as the next person. Because so often I'm only thinking about myself instead of thinking what God wants me to do. But God did not place us here in his universe, in his world, for us to do what we want to do. He placed us here to bring him honor, to bring him glory to promote his name. It's not about ourselves. But when we do those things for him, we can flourish. It's opposite of what the world says. We might not necessarily have all kinds of money and, and possessions, but we can still flourish and have a joyful life. As a Christian, our hope is anchored in what gives us joy. In Mark chapter 10, we see a very telling story today. The Lord kind of redirected me in my thoughts this week and preparing for this message. I'm going to go in a completely different direction and kind of led me to this passage. We see a picture of a man that really is a picture of society, literally just trying to hang on. So find your place in Mark chapter 10 and follow along with me as we read, starting in verse number 46. And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus. Any people blind in here today? <laughs> Hopefully not. 
You know, to be blind, I, I can't even imagine what it would be like to be blind. I, I know sometimes when, you know, I've got something in my eye and, you know, it's a struggle or, you know, to be, to be blind, to me, it's, it's kind of like the, the epitome of just being hopeless. You can't see anything. You're, you're in utter darkness. Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. So here's the picture of a man who was blind. In this culture, it was, it was definitely different because he had no way of a future, no hope uh, for anything. So literally what they did was they had to cover themselves from the extremities, from, uh, from uh, all the heat and everything like that. So they literally just sat on the streets trying to beg for something. So literally, to me, I see a picture of a man just trying to survive every day. He has no hope. So here we have blind Bartimaeus. And the first thing I want us to see is this, the condition that leads to survival. The condition that leads to survival. This verse is very telling. A lot is established for us in this one verse. We're introduced to a man named Bartimaeus. He's blind, he's poor, he's a beggar. His name means the son of Timaeus, as it talks about there. And some think that this even signifies that he was the son of a blind man. That means he may have been the blind son of a blind father. If this is true, Matthew Henry, the commentator, he says this, it made the case worse and the cure more wonderful. And the more proper to typify the spiritual cures wrought by the grace of God on those that are not only born blind, but are born of those that are blind. See, the condition of Bartimaeus was very bleak. But his condition goes far deeper than someone just incapable of physically seeing. His condition is a representation of humanity. What do I mean by that? Our world, without Christ, is blind. Blinded to the truth of Jesus Christ. The condition that leads to survival is when you're blind to the reality that Jesus is all you need. That He is the way, the truth, the life. That Jesus is the light of the world, is He not? Amen. He came to bring light to the darkness. Bartimaeus spent his entire life in darkness, but Jesus came to bring him light. John 12, 46 says, I am come a light of the world, that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. Jesus didn't come so that men could stay in darkness. Jesus came so that men could see the lights. You know, I was thinking about that this week. The world will do whatever they can to hinder lights. Here's what I mean. The world will do whatever they can to dampen the light of Jesus Christ. Because they don't like the light of Jesus Christ because it's different. It shines too bright on them and, and they'll do whatever they can to dampen it. They'll do whatever they can to dampen the church. But as a Christian, as a church of God, our light should shine bright. That's right. Even if our parking lot lights go out, it's okay. Because the light of Jesus Christ can still shine forth. That's right. Can He not? It should. As a Christian, we are meant to bring the light that Jesus Christ has brought us. So we see the condition that leads to survival. Bartimaeus is a representation of humanity. He's a representation that all men, all women, all children are born blind in darkness until they get saved, until they see Jesus Christ. Second thing I see, verse number 47 the opportunity to change his condition. 
Look what it says here, verse 47. And when he heard that it was Jesus, so here, every day the story is Bartimaeus is, is, is out there and he's, he's sitting on the street. He's got something over his head. And he's just asking for something, trying to find some help, begging, pleading. And I'm sure in those, can't really get up. I'm sure in those days when he's begging and pleading, news had spread about this Jesus fellow. And there, there's something different about this guy. He, you know, he, he preaches different, he teaches different, he talks different, and he's performed miracles. So I'm sure the word had spread and his ears were still good so he could hear and someday or one day he heard that Jesus was nearby. So here, here's an opportunity for Bartimaeus to change his condition. What's his condition? First and foremost, he's physically blind, is he not? So there's an opportunity that doctors can't help me, but I hear about this Jesus fellow that possibly can help me. So here's a chance for me to change my circumstances. The, the word opportunity means a set of circumstances that makes it possible to do something. You know, one of the secrets to thriving in your Christian life is capitalizing on the opportunity that God has given you. How many times has God given us an opportunity? Has God given us a chance to truly see Him, to truly shine forth, and we didn't capitalize on it? And I think of many times in my life where I had an opportunity to do something or gain something or invest in something, and I didn't, and I'm like, ah, oh, if I would have just invested, if I would have just done this, I would be so much better. I don't have a lot in the stock market. I mean, very, very minimal. And I mean, I was just a child. But I mean, can you imagine if you invested 20 years ago in Amazon? You'd be doing pretty well today. And some people might have had a chance, but like, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't know about this Amazon company. It's, it's not going to last. And there's an opportunity. All of us have an opportunity to do something. And every time you walk in these doors and the message of the gospel is preached, the, the Bible is opened, you have an opportunity to change your condition. You have an opportunity, you have a chance to decide, am I going to follow this word, not this word of the preacher, but the word of Jesus Christ, and do what he's called me to do, to truly thrive, to truly flourish in my Christian life, or am I going to continue to seek what the world says is flourishing, prospering, thriving, abounding? We have an opportunity. So imagine, imagine this day that Bartimaeus, he hears of Jesus and says, oh, Jesus is here. He has a chance to change me. Ah, forget it. I'm just going to keep begging. Like, oh, that's foolish. But how often do we do the same? We come to church. We hear the message. We have an opportunity to change who we are. We have an opportunity to, to come to Christ as our Savior, to get saved, to get renewed, uh, to get restored. And, you know, I got it. I'll just keep going through life and kind of begging and, and figure things out on my own. How foolish. Bartimaeus didn't have the most glamorous life. His life seemed hopeless. There was no enjoyment. There was no happiness, no success, no peace, no joy. His major concern in life was just survival. But Bartimaeus' reaction to discovering that Jesus was nearby was very telling. Verse 47, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, what's it say? He began to cry out. Why do you think he cried out? Because he realized that this Jesus fellow probably could help him, probably could do something for him. This is important. Here's Bartimaeus saying, you know what? Here's my chance. Here's my chance to receive sight. 
to, to not be blind anymore, to not go through life helpless and hopeless and, and without happiness and joy. Here's this Jesus fellow that I've heard so much about, that he's performed miracles. Maybe he can perform a miracle in my life. Maybe he can do something. You see, he had an opportunity to get help, and you know what he did? He acted upon that opportunity. How often do we act on the opportunity that God has given us? How often do we capitalize on the opportunity that God has placed before us? Go back to Mark chapter 10, verse number 17. You see, in this passage, we're met with another man that's literally trying to survive. But this is very telling because according to his life, if you look at it on the surface, on the surface he wasn't surviving, he was just thriving. He was rich. He had a lot of things going his way. Look what it says in verse number 17. And when he was gone forth in the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these things have I observed from my youth. I, I've done everything that I'm, I'm supposed to do. I, I've gone to church. I've checked off the list. Jesus said, in verse number 21, Jesus beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou lackest. Go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, give it to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. Verse 22, now remember, this man had everything. Everything imaginable the world would say is successful. And he was sad at that saying, and he went away grieved, for he had great possessions. So here's a man with an opportunity to inherit eternal life if he just gives his life to Jesus. Jesus is not saying that you can't have wealth and possessions and, and, and different things of the world. He's not saying that. But so many people are trying to hang on to those things and trying to add Jesus. It doesn't work. It's Jesus first and foremost. If he wants to bless you with those things, that's fine. But it's not, let me hold on to everything, and then Jesus, maybe I'll, I'll do it. You see, this man was given an opportunity to, hey, sell it all. Surrender your life to me, you can have eternal life. You get saved, you trust me as your Savior, you can have eternal life, you can have a blessed life. But I'm not willing to give up my happiness. I'm not willing to give up my possessions. I'm not willing to give up what I have, Lord. And he went away sad, and Jesus looked round about, verse 23, and saith unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter in the kingdom of God? You know, so many people that have a lot of wealth are going to die and go to hell. It's not because they have wealth, it's because they're not willing to give up their wealth. It's not, they're not willing to give up their possessions. And I'm not saying that Jesus is always asking us to give it up, but he's asking us to trust him. He's asking us to give our life to him. And the disciples were astonished at his words, but Jesus answering again and saith unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God? It's not about what you have. It's about who you have. Well, I have a lot of things. Jesus, I'm just going to pay my way into heaven. And we can pay our way out of a lot of things in this earth. Can we not? You can't pay your way into heaven. You can't do enough good works. You have to give it all up and trust God as your Savior. That's what Jesus was trying to get across here. It is easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, 
Who then can't be saved? Jesus looking upon them saith, With men it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. You see, here's a man that was rich, he's young, he's a ruler, he's, he's got it going on. Uh, Kenny Baldwin, he's a, he's a great preacher. He didn't use it for this passage, but he, he said it in other passages in a sense, and I love this phrase. This guy's got it made in the shade while drinking pink lemonade. I just love that phrase. It has nothing to do with anything. But in a sense, he's got it going on according to the world standards, but he wasn't willing to give up what he had to gain everything. Because one day, your life is going to be over. One day, you're going to meet Jesus Christ face to face. And what does it matter if you gain the world? But you lose your soul. What does it matter if I have everything on this earth and, and I'm prospering and I'm, I'm flourishing in the world standards, but when you meet God face to face, which you will, and I will, what's the matter if you haven't trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? He's not going to say, yeah, yeah, you had a lot, so come on in and, and enjoy. No, no, no. Depart from me. I never knew you. There's a place for you. It's a place the Bible calls hell. See, Jesus gave this man an opportunity to change his condition. But you know what he did with the opportunity? Nothing. You know, this series as a whole, and we're going to go deeper into it on Wednesday nights when we start a, a series in, in Ephesians on, on Wednesdays uh, in February. I'm excited about that. But this series is really about our identity. It's about our identity in Christ. Our identity is not tied to what we have but as I've said earlier, it's tied to who we have. And I've said it many times from this pulpit, but I'm not interested in religion because religion does nothing. Religion doesn't sustain you. And a lot of people are you know, so against church because oh, I'm, not, I'm not against that religious establishment. <laughs> I'm not either. <laughs> I hate religion. I'm more interested in a relationship. Yeah. A relationship with Jesus Christ is what's going to sustain you. What's going to bring satisfaction and joy and contentment to your life. The young ruler staked his identity in money and power and possessions. And again, there's nothing inherently wrong with money. What's wrong is when you stake your identity in those things instead of Christ. This man left the presence of Jesus sad because he refused Jesus' offer. Sometimes churches and Christians in our culture get it backwards. They're all about doing what God wants us to do. And doing is important. But we need to understand why we're doing it in the first place. You see, we need to discover who God wants us to be so that we can better do what God wants us to do. It's important to be who God wants you to be. Who does God want you to be? First and foremost, He wants you to be a Christian. He wants you to be a child of God. He wants you to flourish in your Christian life. He wants you to abound. We've been talking about it with our uh, purpose of our church, to grow fully committed disciples. How do we do that? The process of connect, grow, serve, share. And as we said this year, really when people connect with God in His church, when they start growing, they have a desire to serve. When they have a desire to serve, they start sharing their faith. And really when you put all four of those pieces together, that's when you truly thrive in your Christian life. But so many people are missing out on what it truly means to thrive in their Christian life because, well, I'm connected to God in the church. I'm growing, but I'm not going to serve. Hasn't God called us to serve? Not just inward, but outward. Hasn't He called us to share our faith? But I, I don't know what the Bible says. Well, what has God done in your life? How has God changed you? Share that with people. And really, 
It's not just words. It's really, it's not just a theme for this year. It's going to encompass the rest of the time here that I have that God has remaining for me. I want our church to flourish. We've grown a lot this past year, but I want us to flourish, and I want people to understand that we have to be connected. We have to grow. We have to serve. We have to share. And when we do those things, we're going to thrive. That's right. not, I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel, but we'll have abundant life. We'll have the life that God intended us to have. Many people know the name Levi Strauss. Maybe some of you are wearing his clothing right now. I don't know. But his name is not known the way Mr. Strauss wanted it to be known. Like many other men in the 1840s and 50s, Levi Strauss went to California in hopes of making his fortune. He went to California looking for gold, but he, he did make a fortune, but not the way he planned. Strauss left his home, and, and with a heavy load of canvas fabric, Strauss planned to sell the fabric for tents and wagon covers. When Strauss set up his place of business, the first miner who came in said, you should have brought pants. <laughs> Strauss, who had been in California for only a few days, had no idea what the miner meant. So the miner explained to Strauss that there weren't many pants strong enough to endure the arduous conditions of mining. So what did Levi Strauss do? He immediately took the heavy canvas fabric that had been brought with him and made the miner a pair of pants. Within days, Levi Strauss struck gold. Not the bright, shining gold found in the ground of rivers, but the gold of opportunity. See, here's a man that had an opportunity, and he took it. How many times do we see a door of opportunity in front of us that God is trying to open for us in our life, that God is trying to steer us in the right direction? You know what? I'm going to go this way, Lord. I just don't see how that can really benefit my life. You know, I've been hurt by the church in the past, so I don't see how truly getting connected to the church is really going to be a benefit to me. So I'm just going to go this way, Lord, and do whatever I want to do. Well, how can you truly flourish in your life? This whole series, Thrive, you were made for more, understanding that we were made for more than what we think we were made for. Maybe God's urging you to get connected with the church. Maybe he's urging you to get saved. Maybe he's urging you to, to do a lot of different things. But let's continue in this passage back in Mark 10, 47. You see, in order to change your condition, this man was met with an opportunity. And he began to cry out to Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth, he, he's crying out. Have mercy upon me. Verse number 48. And many charged him. They didn't have their credit cards and charged him. That's not what I was talking about. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. You know what they were saying? Shut up. <laughs> you're You're nothing. You're no good for nothing beggar. You're blind. Jesus doesn't want to help you. Jesus doesn't want to hear you. So the, the world, the, the people around him at this time, like, hold your peace. Just, just quit talking. You're nothing to God. And that's kind of what the world is saying. You know what? You're, you're of nothing. You're of no importance. But here's the thing that we must do. We must rise above the negative distractions. Because the world is going to offer negative distraction after negative distraction after negative distraction. Many charged him that he held or hold his peace. You see, Bartimaeus knew that he had an opportunity. And he had to think, this is my chance to change my condition. So he began to cry out, have mercy upon me. But then the crowd is saying, hey, stop. He's not going to save you. He's not going to do anything for you. But here's what I love about this.
I'll deter him. Basically saying, I'm not going to be stopped. My voice will be heard. So you know what he does? But he cried out the more a great deal. Here's what it means. He cried even louder. (laughs) They're all saying, shut up. Stop talking. He's not going to listen to you. So you know what he says? Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. Can you hear me? I I know I have an opportunity to change, and I want to take it. I'm not going to be deterred by the naysayers. I'm not going to be deterred by those that are trying to stamp me down. God, I want to do what you have me to do in my life. So listen to me, Lord, please. Hear my voice. Hear my cry. How often do we try to rise above the negative distractions, or do we let the negative distractions stamp us down? Well, obviously, it's not meant for anything because everyone's against me, so I'm just going to sit down and not say anything and not do what God wants me to do. If God's called you to do something, you know what you should do? Do it. (laughs) It doesn't matter who's saying anything. If God has called you to do something, you should do it. And the important thing is, because he rose above the distractions, he gained an audience with Jesus that day. He refused to let his critics sidetrack him from what he needed to do to change his current condition. He could have been like, you know what? Obviously, this is who I am. This is who I'm going to be. You know, I've said that before. Like, This is who I am. I'm not going to change. That's an excuse. It's an excuse I've used. That's an excuse you've used. This is just who I am. Nothing's going to change. Do you not believe in the power of Jesus? Do you not believe that Jesus can change your condition, can change your life? Because I'm here today as a living testimony to say that Jesus can change your condition. He can change the path that you're going on. Verse number 50, we continue on. Verse number 40. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. So Jesus heard him. So he said, all right, hey, hey, I want you to come over here. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, be of good comfort, rise. He called thee, hey, hey, Jesus wants to see you. Verse number 50, and he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. See, the last thing we must do is this. Act upon the call that Jesus offers. Jesus offered a call to this man. And again, you'd say, well, he'd be foolish if he didn't take that opportunity. But how often has Jesus given us a call, a command? I want you to act upon this. Hey, come near. I have something for you. I have something in my word for you today. You know what? I don't really care what that preacher says. He doesn't know anything. I know I don't know much, but I know what the Bible says. And he, casting away his garment, you know what he did? He, he threw it off. He cast it away. That was, that was a valuable possession to him. Because he needed that to, to cover himself from the heat and, and, the, and, and everything and, and the conditions. But he realized that, you know what? That's trivial. I'm willing to, to cast aside everything that I have to follow Jesus. That's very telling. He's willing to throw it all away to follow Jesus because he knew that Jesus can change who he is into something he needs to be. And as it says here, he cast away his garment. Compared to what he was about to gain in Christ, that garment was of little importance to him. So he threw it aside in order to come to Christ. You see, he was tired of just surviving life. Verse 51, And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? What do you you want me to do for you? 
The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. Lord, I'm blind. I, I want to receive my sight. I want to be able to see. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way. I'm not going to help you. No, he didn't say that. Go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately, what happened? He received his sight. Could you imagine the moment that sight came into his life? Not only is he seeing for the first time, which that had to have just blown his mind, but the first person he sees is Jesus Christ. How awesome is that? Bartimaeus had a complete and obedient faith in Jesus. Maybe there's some today that need to step out from their own blindness and receive the light of Jesus Christ. Maybe it's time that you stop going and playing church and actually do what God has called you to do. I'm not naive enough to know that people just because they go to church are saved. I know there's people that go to church that are not saved, that are wandering around aimlessly blind because they've never trusted Christ as their Savior. They've never cast aside their garments to follow Him. Turn quickly to Psalm chapter 1. We're almost done. Psalm chapter 1. I love this passage. Psalm chapter 1, it gives us a great picture of, again, a thriving individual. And really, when you study this passage, you see two individuals. You see a thriving person versus a surviving person. Verse number 1, the Bible says this, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Don't listen to the world. Nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. If you've ever seen planted by a river, knowing that that river has water, what typically happens to that tree? It grows, it flourishes, right? Because it's constantly being fed. Now if the river dries up, the tree's going to dry up too. But he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. This is the... This is typifying a thriving individual. When you do what God has called you to do, you will thrive in your Christian life. You will be like a tree planted by the waters. But then we see the surviving individual in verse 4. The ungodly are not so, but they're like the chaff which the wind driveth away. You know, when we lived in Colorado, we, we saw a lot of tumbleweeds. I saw them on TV before I moved there, but then I saw them in person. They're literally just kind of floating around and, and going from place to place and they get stuck on things and, and they're, they're, a, they're a hazard, they're a danger. But that's what the world is. It's kind of like the chaff. It's kind of like a tumbleweed that's just floating around trying to find something to stick to. Would you rather be a tumbleweed? Would you rather be chaff that's just floating and out there and driven by the wind? Or would you rather be a tree that's planted, that's flourishing, that's thriving, that's growing? God has not made us just to survive life. He has created us for two purposes. Get this down, we're almost done. He's created us to know God and make Him known. To know God and make Him known. You see, if you want to be the person that God wants you to be, if you want to be the Christian that God intends for you, then you must dig deep. This is all about knowing God. Bartimaeus in Mark chapter 10 had an opportunity to know God. 
He had an opportunity to dig deep, to find out a little bit more about who Jesus was. But once you know him, you know what you should do? Reach out. God wants us to dig deep, to be connected, to start growing. You know, a tree that is, that is dug deep, as we talked about the, the palm tree, it's, it's dug deep and it's spread out. It's, it's, it's enabled to withstand the storms of life. You know, I, I, there, there might be, but there shouldn't be a tree that just has, has the roots so deep, but then there's nothing on the surface. Because if it's, if it's dug deep, then something is going to come out of the surface, right? But how many times in our Christian life have we, I've dug deep, I know what God's Word says, and, and I've studied it, and I'm a, I'm a well, well-rounded theologian, and, and I have all this knowledge of God and who He is, but we've never reached out. We've never spread out. We've never shared our faith with anyone. We've never served anyone. God has placed us here to know Him, to dig deep. He's placed us here to reach out. Again, this is more than just for yourselves. He's placed you here for others. It's about making Him known. Look what it says back in Mark chapter 10, verse number 52. Look what Bartimaeus did after he received his sight. Did he go back to begging? No. After he received his sight, what are those last six or seven words? And followed Jesus in the way. He followed Jesus in the way. You know what that means? It means that he did what God wanted him to do. He realized that his life was meant to live for God's honor, for God's glory. Jesus gave Bartimaeus something money could not buy, a gift that would change his life forever. He gave him an opportunity and he acted upon it. It's not enough to just to attend church. It's not enough to just to do good works and take on the title of a Christian. We must allow the grace of God to be met by our faith in God. And get this down, authentic faith is contagious faith. I've been preaching that since day one. I want a church full of authentic Christians. I want to be an authentic Christian in my own life. And I know people have been hurt by church, by Christianity. But you know, if we actually just get back to what the Bible says, we can grow. And those that have authentic, genuine faith, it's contagious. It spreads like a wildfire. People want what you have, and I've said that. The world, I'm a millennial, and the younger generation, that's what they're looking for, authenticity. And they don't see it in churches so often, do they? All they see is hypocrites. You know what? I've been a hypocrite many times in my life. And that's why we are shunning people away from the church, because we're a bunch of Pharisees. We're a bunch of hypocrites. I have no desire to be a Pharisee. I have no desire to be a hypocrite. I have no desire to, to preach one thing and live something else. But that happens too often in churches. Probably even in this city, probably even in this state, churches are preaching one thing and living something differently. They're putting regulations apart of the relationship. You know the only thing that Jesus says? To love me and love others. That's basically what it comes down to. And yes, we should have rules in place, and, and the Bible talks about that. Yeah, I understand that. But some people are all about the rules, all about the regulations, instead about the relationship. You see, the mark of a Christian who is no longer just surviving but thriving is the mark of a Christian who has authentic and contagious faith. Right. Bartimaeus could have said, you know what? I received sight. All right, I'm going to go back to begging. I'm going to go back home. But he didn't, did he? He followed Jesus in the way. 
So really, what he did was he took every opportunity to share Jesus Christ with others. Hey, let me tell you about Jesus. He changed my life. I couldn't see, and I can see now. I was blind, but I can see. And it's not just a physical seeing. I can see spiritually. I know and I realize that now I was made for more. I was made, I was created to bring honor and glory to Jesus Christ. (coughs) Authentic faith can't wait to tell others about God. Can't wait to point others to God. Authentic faith is connected, growing, serving, and sharing. Knowing God plus making Him known in every situation equals a thriving Christian. Stop settling for less than your best. You can never truly thrive in your life, first and foremost, if you're not saved. But once you're saved, you can never truly thrive if you're only going through life partly on track. You were made for more. Bartimaeus was made not to stay blind. He was made so that he could receive his sight, and not just the physical sight, the spiritual sight of understanding who Jesus is, that he came to save him. Church, I want what's best for myself, and I want what's best for you. And I know we've grown, and I know many have grown, and I know many have have come to faith in Jesus Christ this year, but it can't just stop. It has to continue. God has called us to dig deep, and he's called us to reach out. The thing I love about Bartimaeus is going back to that opportunity. He had an opportunity, and he acted on it. Because he realized there was something that can change my current condition. You know, and I, I get baffled at this. I wonder why people are going to church or churches like this aren't growing when given the opportunity to grow and they do nothing about it. Why do you even go in the first place? Well, it's because God tells me to do it. He's told you to do more than that. He wants you to prosper. He wants you to flourish. And you only flourish when you dig deep and reach out. This tree was not meant to just go below the surface. To find out as much as you can about Jesus Christ and as much as you can about the Bible and then do nothing with it. That's why we have our foundation classes here. To try to give you something to enable you, to equip you to go and share your faith with others. To serve outside of the church. Maybe you're here today and you never trusted Christ as your Savior. Maybe today is the day that you need to call upon Him, as Bartimaeus did. Maybe there's critics that are saying, you know what, you don't need that. You don't need that religion junk. You don't need that, that relationship with Jesus. This is what you need. Why don't you rise above the critics and do what God has called you to do? And when given the opportunity, act upon it. <laughs> Only Jesus can change your current condition.